Welcome to Beauty Uncut the Podcast. I'm Shania. I'm Kayla. And I'm Ian. And we're here to bring a new perspective to beauty. Today's podcast is all about breast scarring. I feel like this is the most common concern when people get breast surgery is scarring. Don't you agree? Yeah, I I think people see scars, they see fresh scars after surgery and they get scared, especially with the mastopexy. They freak the fuck out. Because it is extensive, but I think that if you look after the scars, then you can actually scar very well. So there's quite a few few things that uh, we can do. <coughs> I feel like we have really nailed breast scarring here in our clinic. Mm. And I don't want to say this, but I feel like we are the experts in breast scarring. Can I say that? You can say it. I can say I can. it. You can't say it. Okay. <laughs> I really feel like we've nailed how to manage the perfect breast scar. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, like when they come in for their dressing changes with me, I always ask them, oh, have you been thinking about this for a while? And they're always like, yeah, but I was so scared about the scarring. And then they come out after and they see the scar even just a week or two out and it's actually not as bad as they think. Yeah, so. Yeah, I think we can actually address scarring, surgical scarring on a few fronts and that's how we do it in this clinic. So... Obviously, the first stage is the surgery itself. So I'm always closing the wounds in multiple layers. And most of the time for for breast augmentation, I'll be doing four layers of closure. And so the more layers of closure you have, the less tension there is on that scar. The way you do it is so good. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the less tension, the less overall scarring so I think that's that's part one of how you how you treat scars so maybe like let's jump back to basics Mm. why do people scar after surgery why do people you know scar worse than others you know etc yeah well the first thing as I mentioned before is tension on the scar so if if you only close the top layer of skin you're going to have a lot of tension on that skin and when you have scar stretching you have either widening or hypertrophy. So hypertrophy is where the skin cells build up and that's what is a a thickened scar is how I usually refer to it to the patients. It's what a lot of people mistakenly refer to as keloid scars, but a keloid scar is completely different and a lot of that comes down to genetic susceptibility. So that's number one, tension. That leads me to number two, genetics and wound healing. So everyone, depending on your skin type, the amount of melanin you have, and just your, the age of your skin, the amount of collagen and elastin, that all comes into how the scars will heal. So the younger you are, the better you tend to scar. The older you are, you get a worse scar? Well, no, it's, it's not that simple, actually, oh. because the young <laughs> scars, young people, when they have surgery, their skin is, tends to be thicker, has more collagen, therefore more tension overall. Oh. So someone, someone, an older person, for instance, with very lax skin, depending on how tight that skin's pulled when it's when it's stitched back together, it heals really, really nicely. That scar is probably going to be even better than than a young person's scar. Oh, I did not expect that answer. Yeah. So, so it's not that cut and dry. Yeah. And then I think obviously there are things that the patient can do. I know some of our patients and some people that I know have had breast surgery went and sunbaked and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, stop, don't do yeah. that. Um, smoking can worse than your scarring yep. as well, correct? Yeah, I wanna actually just talk about why smoking's so bad because I think people still don't understand what it has to do with scar healing because but they- also like, why are we still smoking? <laughs> it honestly mind boggles me every day that people, 
of our age especially mm-hmm. start smoking because well, we know vaping's the new thing yeah, now like, as well we know how bad it is it's not just obviously affecting our internal health lung cancer probably every other cancer understand <laughs> it contributes to yeah but also it ages us yeah that's why it gives us yellow fingernails yellow teeth please let's not <laughs> and i think people don't know that it really has systemic effects they think I'm inhaling the smoke into my lungs. It's affecting my lungs. You know what? I'm going to risk lung cancer because it's rare or my parents or my grandparents smoked for however long and they never got lung cancer, so I'll be fine. So, But I think people just don't realize that it does affect other systems as well. And when it comes to surgical scarring and wound healing, you're looking at the microcirculation. So your skin relies on very, very small blood vessels to feed the wound and, and that's how it heals. In smoking or in smokers, that microcirculation is compromised. So you're not getting a lot of blood to that area. And that's why we have wound breakdown. That's probably the number one reason or or poor scarring because the more wound breakdown you have, the more excess inflammation, a certain level of inflammation is, is warranted when healing. But if you have excess inflammation, that can also lead to thickened scars or, or poor scarring. And generally their skin quality is quite poor as well. Like I know when I used to do skin, like my mum, she's a smoker and I could just tell whenever someone was a smoker because of the quality of their skin. Yeah. It was just yeah. not great. Exactly. And someone who's young, especially, it doesn't have that bounce back that you would expect. It's just, it is aged skin essentially. And what would you advise for someone to, I guess, prevent their scarring from being bad? Don't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Other I, I than guess, that. Yeah, look, well, would, would secondhand smoking also affect your scarring or is it only if you directly smoke yourself? Now, secondhand smoking definitely has an effect on wound healing. I think if you live with someone who's a heavy smoker and you don't smoke, you're still getting all of the negative effects of that cigarette or that vape, whatever they're doing. So you basically may as well be smoking yourself. Well, yeah, you don't want to <laughs> compound the issue. But, um, but yeah, it's like you are smoking yourself, you know, when it's uh, when you're living with people like that. Yeah. And yeah, as Shania was saying, what can you do? The, the thing that is out of everyone's control, obviously, is the closure. So that's what I do. I make sure that's as tension-free as possible. After that stage, it does come down to wound care and aftercare. And that process extends for six months or longer. It's not just the first couple of weeks or couple of days after surgery. You really have to follow the the dressing regime, number one. So we put the dressings on in a certain way in order to, again, keep that tension off the scar. Those dressings need to be done in a consistent way afterwards also for up to six weeks. And so that's why we recommend the micropore tapes after the steri strips. If we do a mastopexy, we use something called Prinio, which is a mesh tape with glue over it. So that wound is not gonna have any tension on it at all. That's the idea. So once you get to that six week stage, then it becomes on you a little bit because you don't have to have any covering on your wound at that stage. Everything's closed over, but now you're looking at a metabolically active scar which is still healing, even though you might think it's not. The redness is there. There's still a bit of swelling there. So you need to then make sure your skin is enriched with nutrients. So Does this go for all scars or is it just breast surgery scars or any type of surgical scar? This is any type of scar. The wound healing process is the same no matter what part of the body it's in. Okay. Yeah. So if you feed that scar with serums, so we like a serum in this clinic called Super Serum from Is Clinical, and also combine that with 
silicon. Any silicon product, this can be a silicon gel, it can be a silicon tape. That silicon is going to keep the scar nice and flat. The serum is going to ensure that the skin is nutrient rich and that's going to promote your own body processes to heal. Let's chat about the super serum a little bit more in depth because mm. we're obsessed with it. And I feel like since implementing it into our scar care following surgery, patient scars just look 10 times better. So Even good. though you're already great at closing, we get that from doctors all the time that their scars look amazing. But incorporating the super serum following that six weeks has changed the way the scars are healing. And another thing is because your scars are generally so small, you only need the tiniest amount, which one, your product's going to last longer, but you can actually use that as a face serum as well to help with pigmentation, anti-aging, fine lines, basically anything. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the super serum and how it works for scarring? So the super serum has 15% of vitamin C in it, which is quite a high percentage. It also has copper tripeptide growth factors, which is awesome for the healing of the tissue. It pretty much helps with the pigmentation of the scar, but also leveling out the scar, which is everything you need for a scar. Yeah, it helps to revise that scar tissue. Mm. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the vitamin C percentage in there. So 15% obviously is quite a high percentage of vitamin C in a serum. If you were to buy another face serum that claims to be vitamin C serum, what would you expect percentage-wise of vitamin C in there? Any idea? I have no idea off the top of my head. I know there's ones that claim to be about 15% and Mm. you can say something is 15%, but it also depends on the formulation Mm. that it's in and the other ingredients that it's with. So just because something is 15% doesn't mean it's actually 15%. Yeah. I remember also our, our previous conversation about is clinical and how they are very, very selective in the quality of ingredient yeah. that yeah. goes in they so it's not just any vitamin potent c part of that plant or, or of that fruit or anything that their ingredients to take the most potent part and use that in their products which is why they are quite expensive but you get better results you're exactly. going to see those results yeah. for sure and i feel like you need less of that product to see mm. the results and so it, it ends is up watery all bal- yeah it yeah. all ends up balancing out anyway and with the super serum so when i talk to patients about it it's mainly I'm trying to address the redness yeah. of the scar. So but you can also address the hypertrophic scarring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and the the hypertrophy of the scar that is in combination with the silicon. So I think that's why both of those products work really well together. Previously to using the super serum, there wasn't anything specific that that I was prescribing for for hypertrophy except for silicon, and it would keep things keep the scar nice and flat but the redness was still an issue. And that was just a a matter of time. It would eventually heal down. But I think once instituting super serum, that redness is going a lot quicker. We're seeing that go well and truly before the three month mark. Absolutely. Once they start using super serum, silicon tape, if scarring is still an issue, there are so many different options that they can do. So they could do Dermapen, Morpheus 8, Vivace, Lameca. There's so many devices on the market, skin needling with radio frequency, IPL, what else what else can you do? Well I think you have to look at the the overall modality. And so obviously all of those products you named, you can break that down into two categories really. And it's scar morphology. And that's where your radio frequency microneedling comes in. You're you're breaking down and remodeling that scar. And then you've got pigment issues. So that's where your IPLs come in to treat red or brown pigment, depending on how people heal. And that's where the individual 
healing comes into play as to which pigment is going to be shown more? Yeah, I would say typically for a straightforward breast augmentation, a basic skin needling device like Dermapen, Exceed, I'm not sure what else is on the market, but just basic straightforward skin needling is really good for those people. Someone that just needs a tiny little bit of scar revision, doesn't have that anchor scar and is just wanting to kind of tie everything. You can even microneedle a serum into the skin. So for example, for pigment, you can do like vitamin C or vitamin A into that microneedling, what's it called? The glide? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, or you can put it awesome. on top as well. Yeah, exactly. There's all the micro channels, so it'll go straight into the skin. And then when you get into more advanced treatments like the radio frequency, adding that I think really helps in terms of if you have more extensive scarring. So if you're talking about a mastopexy where there might be areas of hypertrophy because those surgeries, parts of the scar are usually under a lot more tension than your straightforward breast augmentation. And so you might need to really physically break down the scar with the needling and then with that radio frequency, you're getting that bulk heating and collagen formation as well. So I think for those scars, that's the best way to settle them down quickly. Mm. I agree. One of my friends, bless her, she had a breast augmentation with mastopexy, didn't follow any aftercare, went out in the sun, just didn't, yeah, just not your <laughs> ideal patient, love her. But anyway, she actually ended up getting a bit of a wound breakdown and also her because she was a sun lover, her scarring kind of had that indentation. We started treating her with Morpheus 8 and the difference in her scars were incredible. I feel like I was going around the office and showing everyone being like, guys, look, it helped to, she had this divoting and it helped to almost bring out that scar. What is Level that? the skin. Level the skin yeah. out. It was so good. Yeah. Sometimes, especially in the mastopexies, you can get a bit tethering through where the vertical and the horizontal scars join. So that T-junction under the breast and softening that scar will essentially soften that tethering and release that and allow the breast to round out as it should be. Yeah. And it makes such a big difference. I remember every time I saw this patient that you're talking about, every single time the scars just got so much better and so much better. Yeah. I was like actually in shock when I saw Me too. her results. Her partner was like, you're going to have to thank Kayla for that. And I'm like, yeah, please do. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't even do the treatment. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So it just goes to show if you actually put in that effort as well, it yeah. pays off. Yeah. And she was two years post-op. So even if you're a couple years post-op and scarring is still a concern for you, it, I feel like it's not too late. Yeah, I think people feel that once they get past a certain stage, then there's really nothing they can do and they're stuck with that scarring forever. But really a scar is still healing up to about two years. People yeah. don't realize that you can really affect how the scars heal up to that stage. Guys, we forgot to talk about one of my favorite treatments, LED. Of course. Oh, we of can course. use that <laughs> pre-surgery and post-surgery. And I definitely think everyone non-negotiable should have heal light. Because we can tell the difference in the people who have had it done and the people who opt not to have it done. Yeah. How could we forget? I know. <laughs> I think it's because that's just become such a normal yeah. thing we do now. And that's not just based on anecdotal evidence either. There's been clinical evidence showing that wound healing has improved with pre-op LED. So, so that's why we institute that with our surgical patients. Yeah. And not only does it help with scarring, but it also helps to reduce inflammation, bruising, and pain associated with surgery as well. So yeah. I just feel like you should Why wouldn't add, you? Yeah, <laughs> add it on. <laughs> everyone that I've seen for dressing changes, I tell everyone, I'm like, you will notice a difference when you get the LED treatments, like every dressing change, because from what I've seen, everyone's inflammation 
that gets the LED goes down so quickly within that like week or two Yeah, in most people, which is crazy. And then their scarring's a lot better and all the other good things that you get as well. Yeah. I think it comes back to that old thing that we've been talking about now on, on this podcast. Multimodality. Well, yeah, yes, in a way, but ah. multimodality, but adjunct therapy. So What's that? when you have your surgery, that's the surgery, right? And everyone thinks that this is that's what it. I'm having. Yeah. I'm done. Right. But it's doing the physio added things. It's doing the physio <laughs> afterwards to, to improve the Treat holistically. That's how I kind of see yeah. it. It's not just, you don't just get your surgery and you're on your way. You should treat it holistically for the best outcome possible. Yeah. I feel like if I was that patient as well, like I would want that whole journey to be able to like, I would feel more cared for. You yeah. know what I mean? Like imagine if you just went for a surgery and that's it. And you're like, well, what do I do for my scarring? How do I, you know, treat it? When can I treat it? You'll have all these questions. Back to surgery. Does getting like heavier implants affect your scarring as well? Well, yeah, in a most basic sense, it, it does because you're putting more tension on the scar. So mm. if I'm using a very large implant, I'm going to have to do more internal support to, to hold the weight and try and take that weight off the skin directly. Yeah. And so that's another reason why I like the, the dual plane placement because I can use a cuff of muscle here or there to, to hold the weight of that implant in addition to the internal bra sutures and, and anything else that I'm doing internally to hold that, the weight. And does that go for people who don't wear their bra post-operative as well? Does that mean their scarring could potentially be worse because there's no support on the scar or does not, that's not how it works? Well, no, it does because if they're not wearing their bra, especially in the early stage, there's a lot of tension on there. There's not much holding the weight mm-hmm. at that stage because you're really relying on your internal capsule to form. And that's going to take between three and six months. So if you don't wear your bra early on, if you go heavy at the gym too soon, all of those things can contribute to poor scarring. And we don't want that. No. (laughs) (laughs) I had a question. When can patients after a breast surgery start their scarring treatments? So I usually recommend six weeks for starting anything, any products. So any of the serums, any of the silicones, just because up to that point, I like to have them in dressings, Mm -hmm. actual surgical dressings. But prior to that stage, so early in the post-op, you can do heal light. So the LED light therapy, you can do that at every dressing change. Like early on. Yeah. Yeah. Right from the start. Sorry, I cut you off because I didn't think you were going to say it, but you did. <laughs> How about treatments like Morpheus 8, microneedling? Yeah, so for the more advanced treatments, I generally recommend waiting at least till the three-month mark just to see the trajectory of the healing, really, and just to see what it's going to look like. If I think that maybe it's doing pretty well without that, we might just continue the serum, might just continue the silicon. If it's starting to look like hypertrophy already, then I might say, let's start that now. Otherwise we can review again at the six month mark Mm. and see what it's looking like then. And I feel like that's the benefit of going to a clinic that kind of specializes in breast surgery because we know what we're looking for when we're treating the scar. Yeah, I feel like it's, as we spoke about before, it's that holistic approach. It's that multimodality adjunct therapy approach where we can actually you know, give you recommendations about treatments that you can do. And we have that here as well. And the correct timing as well. Yeah. And doing your heal lights before and after your surgery, you're coming to the same place. You're getting that within your package as well. Yeah. And I think, like you said, we sort of 
can predict to a certain degree how that scar is going to heal and whether we need to just give it more time, be a bit more conservative, or whether we have to start doing more aggressive treatments earlier. So I know that keloid scarring is one of the hardest scars to really treat. What can patients that are dealing with keloid scars after breast surgery do for those scars? So I think keloids after breast surgery are pretty rare. And that's because of where the scars are and how they're closed with lots of layers. The most commonly seen keloids are in people with darker skin because of the, the pigment of the skin. So the amount of melanin that affects the keloids, the location. So we see a lot of keloids right in the center. So if there's scars over the sternum, for instance, they're more likely to keloid just because of where they are. With the breast surgery, if someone is unlucky enough to develop a keloid, I would say the first line of therapy after all of the, the serums and things that we're doing is steroid injection. So I inject Kenicort directly into the scar and review them again in about six weeks. And that'll tell me if that's going to respond well, they might need another steroid injection after that, or we might need to look at something else. Worst case scenario would be we'd have to cut that scar out and start over again. But how do you know that's not going to keloid again after you recut it out? Exactly. Oh. That, that was the but. Oh. That was the but. <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so, that, so that's your, you know, it might happen again. The thing is, though, let's say that patients come from another uh, place, you know, they've had their surgery overseas or something like that. We don't know how that scar was looked after in the post op period. We can start then from scratch with all of the things that we do with the mm. LED, with the serum, with the, the silicon, and all of those things will then affect how they heal and, and hopefully it'll be less likely that they keloid. Can I ask as well, with, so with the steroid injection, how does that treat the scar? Does it like decrease the inflammation or something? Or Yeah, so because you can actually treat old scars with steroid injections as well, they're not necessarily metabolically active, but the steroid in general acts as a very potent anti-inflammatory. And this is how they're used systemically as well. So when you inject it directly into a scar, you're going to get some contraction of those scar fibers. Right. So you're going to get overall shrinking of the keloid scar, flattening sometimes as well. The risk of doing it, especially in a scar that's maybe not that raised or thickened, is that some of that steroid leaks out into the tissues around the scar and you can actually get a depression or contour deformity right. from that injection. So it's important that Whoever is injecting has been trained how to do it, knows exactly where to inject and when to stop injecting as well. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, shall we jump straight into our broke or bougie segment? <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about <laughs> yeah, so I got angry at them because I don't feel like Ian and Shania know the definition of broke because their products last week for broke were not broke. Oh, yeah, no, last week. Sorry, it was like three week. weeks ago. I think we need to be given a, like a cutoff. Yeah. Shania goes to me, is $80 broke or bougie? I'm like, that's bougie. It, de it depends I, on what you're talking about. Well, yeah, I was talking about Lush Theorems. I don't know. Like, my, Yeah, I just feel like that's expensive, which yeah. is so fine if you want to spend that. But my version of broke is 20 bucks. You're on your last legs of your paycheck and you're like, cool, I've got $20 left. What am I going to buy from Priceline? You're not going to Mecca. Well, I feel I feel like I don't want to rubbish Priceline or any other other chemists, but <laughs> I buy stuff from Priceline occasionally. Yeah. But and, and so maybe we'll I'll talk about that. Maybe like, you should go actually, to Priceline and have a shopping spree. In maybe there. we so should do some content there. We need to do a challenge. <laughs> we need to be given twenty dollars. We're gonna walk into Priceline, and that's gonna be. A I challenge. can easily do that. I would say I would say fifty fifty. No. 
20% of my products are broke, 80% are bougie. Even after working here? <laughs> well, I get it cost price, so yeah. <laughs> are you counting that as, as No. <laughs> no, but like I'm just saying, there's things that you can probably save your money on. If you're really struggling with cash flow, I'd be saving on my cleanser and getting a cheap cleanser. Uh, nail polish, br- lip liners, brow pencils, all of the above. Aren't you, aren't you afraid a, a cheap cleanser will strip your skin of its essential oils and then you'll have a harder time? No, I'm not scared of that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to scrub my face with St. Eyes. I'm just going to... I've used Of course you have. Same. <laughs> of course you wrote that. No. I'm just saying like that I feel like there's a place for everything and you guys should go out into the world and look at what broke is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, well, I appreciate all right, so let's talk note, about broken bougie. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to start, Kayla? Since I actually don't have a broke product. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> My broke product, and I use this on the regular, much to I'm sure Ian's dismay, is the Bondi Sand Wash-Off Tan. It gets all over the furniture <laughs> work. He's like shaking his head. When I can't be bothered to fake tan or it's like I'm waiting to get a spray tan and I'm like, I'm not going to work white. I will use the Bondi Sands wash off because it makes me look great, but it also washes off on everything else I touch. I need to, I think we're going to post a picture of the, the, the chair, chair. <laughs> in the clinic that, that is the recipient, probably the main recipient of the Bondi Sands yeah. tan. Yeah. I have marked myself on every chair basically, <laughs> but in saying that I will, it doesn't transfer onto clothes or if I'm putting my hands down on the table, it doesn't transfer. I think it's when I'm rubbing my arms against the chin, which I'm not why? sure. I don't, I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm doing it. Anyway, that's my broke product. Should I say my bougie or are we going to go around in a circle well, and say our broke products? Did you say how much it costs? It's $19.95. Oh, just got in. Just got in. Hmm. All right, let's, let's, do all the, let's do all the broke products first. I mean, I was going to say something that's like $55. It's just, but okay, go for it. I'm just comparing it to, for example, the number three rationale tinted serum, because I love that. We've mentioned it so many times on our podcast, but I've discovered the ultraviolet tinted screen. I think I, it's called. I love that sunscreen. I know it's not probably like cheap, but I feel like it's a really good alternative to rationale number three. It is one third of the price. Yeah, exactly. So yes. <laughs> I, I've been really loving that. And I have even stopped wearing foundation during the day because it gives a really nice tint to my skin and it looks good under makeup as well. So I really like that. I think we need three categories. <laughs> it's almost like we need like bro in between brocade <laughs> and bougie. But that's that's relative. I mean... Like I would say that is a relative broke being yeah. one third the price. I, I'm so just comparing it to it something way. because okay. I know we've spoken about that before, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll take it. Thank you so much. And if anyone disagrees, just leave a comment. <laughs> or if but you have thanks. any suggestions yeah. for, for Don't broke come products that we can try. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yes. Ian. Well, mine is a product that I've spoken about on this podcast before. Season two, episode three. Season <laughs> one, episode oh. four, when I was a guest. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was episode four the, oh, yeah. when we we're talking about sweating and it was a, a deodorant that I use, which I purchased from Priceline and it was Schmidt's natural How much deodorant. Is that? I think it was $8.50 or I'm something like that. I'm going to Google that just to make sure. It's cheaper than Kayla's. It's pretty it cheap. It is. It's pretty Look cheap. you being in the broke sector. <laughs> Schmidt's deodorant. I did spell deodorant wrong. Oh, Ian. How much was it? It's $19.95 on iHub. I'm sure you could get it on sale though. Oh, maybe, maybe it's we'll more expensive it's than I remember. 
That's okay. pretty good. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, in, there. I'm in there. <laughs> you actually won this segment of the Broca's yes. product. Congrats. That's great. What do I win? <laughs> An award. A big fat nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bougie. I'm scared we have the same one. I don't even have one yet. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, my favorite is the LTR Wide Plate Straightener by oh, Anthony Nader. Oh, my God. I was like, I have to get it before you say it because we are both in love with this. Yes. I didn't think there was, like, much of a difference between straighteners. You They're all much of a muchness, right? Why are we in love with this? I, I don't know. There's just something about I think it's it's not, like, a super wide plate, which I've tried other straighteners and, like, They've been too wide. But I did my, like, curls with it today. Oh, did you? I was like, your hair looks so good. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Well, it was because of that straightener. You can't can't comment on that. I can't really. I'll sit here. It's really good because, like, I like how the plates, it sits up. Like, it doesn't sit down. So if I'm straightening my hair at work, there's no risk of me burning the table. Yeah. And I like how it's rounded on the edges. And, yeah, you're right. It's not too thin, not too thick. It's just right. Yeah. And I like how you can change the like temperatures and stuff. Yeah. And he has like settings that you should use. So I think the perfect setting for me is 175. For you, I think it's 200 and something. Yeah. <laughs> I've been using just the set like 210. Yeah. So that's my broke. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Not my broke product. That's my beauty <laughs> product. I think it's about $200. I did screenshot it. Let me double check because I don't want to like. Okay. I need to find out how much mine is now. Mine is. Of course, I took a screenshot without the price. I think it's 200 <laughs> Okay, my turn. My bougie product is <laughs> the Recovery Cream by O Cosmetics. I do love that. It's $107 and I just – I've been using it day and night and it's so good. I, I just know. think it's so funny that your broke product was going to be an $80 lash serum and but your bougie product's like <laughs> it's a $7 moisturizer. <laughs> I know. It's a anyway, narrow, narrow range. It is a very <laughs> narrow range. It, it was just the first thing that came to my mind. We do love that moisturizer. Yeah. Have you tried it? Which one is it? The O Cosmetics Recovery. I don't think I have, no. I feel like before the podcast, Ian was such a snob to O Cosmetics. <laughs> you like did not want to Actually, I tried, I tried the whatever their moisturizer is called and I just found it really heavy. So maybe it was recovery. Yeah. Maybe. You have a more oily skin though. Yeah. So I, it wasn't for me. Yeah. Mm. It is so good. I love it. And me I too. love the smell of it. It seems like just a warm hug to the face. Yeah. Like a thick, warm hug. Yeah. I love it. It's too thick. She's <laughs> <laughs> too thick. <laughs> what about yeah. you? My bougie product. Well, apparently it's anything that I have. <laughs> I can talk Your about. entire bathroom. <laughs> well, since you talk talked about a device and not a like a skin product i'm gonna bring this up again because you guys spoke about this i wish i had been on this podcast to put my two cents in but the dyson hair dryer i love it i think it's great and people said that i paid too much for a hair dryer but (laughs) but you think not (laughs) i think not i think it's it is relatively quiet i don't think it's as quiet as Mm. people make it out to be yeah Yeah. Yeah. i wouldn't even know it was a quiet hair dryer i definitely don't think it's a quiet hair dryer it's quieter than others. Yeah. If you do a decibel reading, it'll be a little bit quieter, but <laughs> I don't think that it's it's quiet. It's not whisper quiet, for instance, but yeah. it's just very fast as well. It dries my hair quickly. It doesn't burn. Like I get this burny smell yeah. from, from other hair dryers that yeah. I've used in the past. So yeah, I think it's a great product. I use it every day. <laughs> do you <laughs> wash your hair every day? I don't wash my hair every day, but oh. I dry my hair every day. Oh, like you wet it. To style it? Yeah, to style it. So I I wet it in the shower every day. My hair would not cope. Yeah, neither. (laughs) (laughs) Do you use the attachments for it? 
No, I, ha- I haven't tried because I don't really know what they're for. <laughs> Imagine Ian like curling his little <laughs> curls. He could just come with like a little mullet. We should do a, a more in-depth, maybe a video uh, podcast about what those attachments are. Mm. Well, none of us know what it's about. So we'll let's get, get Anthony on again. We'll get Anthony on again. <laughs> Anthony, come back. Should we wrap it up? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for everyone for listening to our podcast today on all things surgical scarring. Make sure to follow us on our socials. All the information will be in the description. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. It's all appreciated. And we will see you in our next podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.